0: You are ready to study the Word of God this morning. Uh, Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, if you will, and uh, let's pray over this as we dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you teach us and train us. Thank you that your Word is alive and working in us. Thank you that your Word points us to your Son, Jesus. Help us today to learn to be more like him. We love you, we worship you, and we give you our hearts today. Ask you to open our ears to hear exactly what what it is that you want us to hear. And let the words that come out of my mouth not be mine, but let them be yours. To drive into the hearts of people. To help them to be who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Uh, So, when I was younger... Uh, there was a show on television that I particularly enjoyed. I enjoyed lots of television shows, but in particular, I enjoyed this one show, and it was called The A-Team. Yeah, so The A-Team was an incredible, incredible show. Hannibal, I think Hannibal Smith, I think, was his name. uh, Face, Murdoch, and, of course, B.A. Barakas, played by... Mr. T, a beautiful, you know, so uh, incredible show. There's a couple things you can always count on when you would watch the A-Team. One of those is a big general broad idea, but and one of those things you can always count with the A-team was that there was going to be somewhere along the way some little family or some little town that was having trouble. They were being oppressed by some bad guys. And so the A-team would roll in and they're kind of this crack special forces unit that were on the run because of a crime they did not commit. And so they they were... Uh, they'd roll into the town, they'd have this plan, they'd work it out and they'd we'd build some kind of creative vehicle and they'd blow up the town and they'd have uh, gunfights all through the show and cars are exploding and flying over on top and flipping over each other and blowing up and there's fire everywhere and people are just crawling out of those cars and saying, oh, well, that was a close one or, or you know, they'd, they'd be in a firefight for like, 10 minutes, and then nobody ever gets hit, and it was a really good family show. You could always count on all of those things, and then the second thing that you could always count on was at the end of just about every A-team show, the, the guy, the leader, Hannibal, Hannibal would take out a cigar, and he'd light it up, and he would say those famous words. I just love it when a plan comes together. Some of you are like, I have no recollection of that. Well, you missed out. But I loved those words. I just love it when a plan comes together because everything they always did would always work. No matter what it was, how ridiculous the plan was, it would work. They would make a car into a tank and it would just work. And what I want us to realize today as we dive into Luke 21 is something that maybe you wouldn't always think about as you read this chapter, and it is that God does have a specific plan, not just for you in your life, and not just for your family, and not just for the church, but he does have a plan for the world, and he knows what he's doing. He's aware of every bit of it, and he's working it all, making it all right. So this morning, I want you to think about that idea as we dig into Luke chapter 21. It's really fun to go through Luke, as we've been doing for such a long time, because typically what happens, you don't just get to pick and choose a series or an an idea. You end up actually teaching some passages that you may not normally pull out and choose to speak on. Luke 21 kind of happens to be one of those you know, when you get to Luke 21, Bible scholars go in all kinds of different directions on this, because there's lots of different directions to go. <clears throat> and it's funny, I was reading, as I was going through some stuff this past week, I came across Second Peter 3:16 that reminded me, and I thought it was good to share with you today to give you a little bit of permission this morning. Second Peter 3:16, we're talking about how Scripture is uh, true. All Scripture is God-breathed. Scripture is true. Uh, All of it, every bit of it. But at times it can be a little difficult to understand. Uh, Right here, Peter writes, uh, he, he writes the same way, he's talking about Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. And that's a little bit of Luke 21. And so today, I want to give you the permission that all of that's okay. It's okay for you to have some disagreements with some of the things that Luke 21 has to say to us. Some of you will dis- would disagree as you had conversations about it. There's no doubt about it. Some of you would have disagreements with me, and that's okay. Because here are three things that we say. And I think this is originally attributed to St. Augustine, but I've heard other things. But, but I th- usually it's attributed to him. And it's these three statements that you're probably aware of. In fact, Ross is teaching them right now in square one. In essential beliefs, we have unity. In all of our essential beliefs, in the core absolutes of things we believe, like Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, it's important that we have unity on that idea. But then the second idea is that in non-essential beliefs, we have liberty. There's freedom there. If it's non-essential, if it's kind of a a debatable area, then that's okay for us to debate it. And we have liberty, we have freedom to be able to do so, and that's a good thing. And in all our beliefs, we show charity. So no matter what it is that we're debating or discussing, in everything that we do as we talk together, we have charity, or love towards one another. So, love me this morning. (laughs) What it means is that we can have difficult discussions and we can still be friends. That's what it means. It means nobody has to be irritated or mad. We can be friends and have a good dialogue about it. I can believe one thing, you can be, believe another. And as long as they are, uh, let's call them respected opinions, that's great. Today, there are things in this chapter, and we may not get, we're not going to get heavily into them, but one of the things that can be debated is eschatology and end times. So we could have really raucous discussions about that if we wanted to. We're not going to for the sake of time and the things that I feel like God wants to say to us today. But we can do that because we believe these things are true. Uh, in Scripture, you read uh, stuff like in Mark thirteen thirty-two, which is a parallel passage to Luke 21. It says that uh, nobody knows the day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour that he's going to come back. So it's okay for us to go round and round and round about that, not really knowing. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to realize that we're all still debating about these things because there are some things that nobody really knows for sure. And so that's why it's fun to have the dialogue. So are you scared? You shouldn't be. This is going to be a great adventure today. So, uh... So there are four lenses that I want you to think about as we look through this chapter. One, you could consider it this way, all right? Let me just set this up for you. You could consider Luke 21, and some do, as talking about, as Jesus talking about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as you look at some of the pictures and some of the language that you find in this, you will see statements that Jesus has previously made that kind of correlate to some of the ideas that he's going to talk about in here. That's one way for us to look at this. Then there's another way that you could look at this: is that he's just talking about uh, he's talking about um, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD seventy. You could think of it and see it through that lens. That that's really what he's dealing with through this passage. You could also see it through the lens of the second coming of Jesus, and just look at it primarily through that lens. Or you could possibly. Take a look, and in some prophetic kind of a way, you could see that all three of these ideas may actually be kind of working and interweaving as you go through it. And in some way, he may have been touching on all of these things as he discussed this passage, and as he taught his disciples. So let's do it. Luke 21, chapter 5, chapter, sorry, 21, verse 5 is where we're going to start. Here we go. Are you ready? Good. Verse 5 it says, Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts and dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he. And the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. Now listen to verse 9. These things must happen first. But the end will not come right away. There's an important idea, I think, in that for us that we're going to talk about here in uh, just a moment. But I don't know if you were watching the news much this week. Some of you, I'm sure, were. But whether you were uh, on social media or you just watched some of the news, you may have seen the story of the near miss that planet Earth had this week. Did any of you see that? Anybody see that? Wow, not many. You guys almost all died, and you have no idea. (laughs) An asteroid flew by the earth we had a near miss with what they call a global killer this week it would have wiped out all of civilization apparently this asteroid this 1998 qe2 i think is what they called it and it flew by it's about 1.7 miles wide it had its own moon and it swung by excuse me our planet now, it did that at 3.6 million miles away, but still, it was what they call a close call. And this is, a, this is kind of a pretty cool event, and really it consumed a lot of people's thoughts. It was all over social media, it was all over the news, apparently you didn't watch it, but it was all over the news, and uh, you didn't care. But, but even the White House was kind of engaged in talking about this thing. So it was kind of a a cool little event that happened. For us, we kind of go, you know, we've got science, we've got telescopes, we've got all these things. We're looking at that event and going, oh, wow, how incredible that is. But if there would have been an event like that in these days, they were reading, it would have been seen as something totally different. Had they seen something like that shooting across the sky? If they seen that or seen any other kind of asteroid, anything clear, any of those types of signs, they would have regarded them as signs. And sometimes they would have seen them as like signs that uh, there was some kind of upheaval that maybe uh, kings were rising and falling or nations were (laughs) rising and falling. And they would have looked at it in that way, and I think that's what the disciples are kind of after here. It's funny because Jesus, you know, they're looking at the temple and they're saying, Wow, isn't this incredible? Hey, hey, Jesus, look at isn't it! it it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, look, look at the stones, massive stones. And this is just incredible. Look how beautiful this thing is. And Jesus, ever the joy is like, um, you guys know that um, that one day this is all going to be torn down, right? I mean, no brick left on the bed. All this is coming down. It's Like, Jesus, get. I mean ever leave well enough alone? I mean, can we just hang out for once? Why well, is it always going to be like this? Why is always turning around and saying, hey, all you guys that are following me, this is so great, but you know what, I, we got no place to lay our heads, and this life is going to be really hard, and unless you're willing to take up your cross, then you really can't follow me, and can't you just ever leave well enough alone? The answer is no, he can't. Why? He wants us different and better. He wants us more effective. He wants us more pure. He wants to help to move us along. And I think that's what he's going to do here. So they would have seen it in that way. And this is kind of what they were after. You know, they they were after, you read it here and you kind of you breeze through it. Oh, so Jesus, what signs would there be? What's that going to be like? That's not what they were doing. I'm sure they were thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, what what signs are there going to be? What's that going to be like? How are we going to know? What kind of things are going to take place here so that we're going to know that all this is about to happen to us? And Jesus is going to give them some signs. He's going to do that through the rest of this passage. But I think in verse 9 is really what he wanted them to know. And I think it's the same thing that he wants us to know today. And it's this. There's going to be Difficult waiting periods in our lives, and he wants us to be patient. That's it. There are difficult waiting periods in our lives, and he wants us to be patient. There will be dangerous times. There will be difficult times. There will be major trials. There will be persecutions. There will be devastation. There will be all this stuff before he comes back again. And you've got to be patient. It's encouraging, right? All right, have a great Sunday. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Sometimes we read through these apocalyptic chapters and we get kind of fearful. You know, we, we get nervous. We think, oh, wow, wait, hey. We kind of ask the same questions disciples are asking. Hey, wait, wait! What am I supposed to do then? What I mean, what what's going to happen to me? What what do I need to be looking for? How do I need to watch out? What, what what's going to go on? I'm getting kind of nervous. So we we start looking all around for the way out. What's what's the evacuation plan? How am I going to get out of here? I mean, where where are the exits? Are they, are they here here, here, here? Is there any kind of Uh, Lighting along the way? Is there a mask that I can get and put on? And I I mean, is is there anything that I can do to escape this thing? We look for the ways that we can get out. I'm surprised often when I I watch... um, I have this habit. My wife hates it. I have this habit of... um, I I watch Christian television. (laughs) That sounds terrible, doesn't it? (laughs) But but I I just... I like to go and see what's going on. And I want to hear what they're saying. And I just... I just enjoy it. She, she, she loves you know the Word, and she loves Jesus, but she's not a huge fan of Christian TV, let's just say, all right? Um, lots of reasons for that that are for another time and place and period, but, but I just, I'll sit there, and she would be like, oh, could you just turn it, please? And so often, what I hear is stuff like this, and look, I know we should be looking forward to the second coming. I know that's going to be an incredible day, but it's also going to be a difficult day, <laughs> And so I know that that's something to to be waiting for. But in the meantime, there's a lot of stuff that we are to do here. And so I don't always like it when I watch those television shows. When I hear them just keep talking about, oh, what a great day that's going to be. And I can't wait. I'm so tired of being here. And I just want to get out of here. I don't think that's the way that we're supposed to live. Here's the deal. I think what Jesus is saying to the disciples and what he's saying to us today is, there is a plan. He's got one. He has had it from the beginning, from before the foundations of the world. It's in existence today. It's working today. It's in the future. It's to make everything right once more. His kingdom is here already. It came. It was in him. It is still coming. It will be fulfilled one day. All of that is happening. But while we're in the middle and in the waiting period, there are difficult times. We've got to be patient. His plan is not about evacuation. His plan is ultimately about redemption. That's what he's looking for. And here's the thing. In order for that to happen, we have to be here. Because we are his instruments. We are the ones that he's using. And guess what? In our generation... Nobody else is coming. We're it. We've got to be available. We've got to be patient. We've got to be ready. We've got to be courageous. So we, knows, we know that God's got a plan because he starts to tell it. We already have read some of it. And one thing that I love so much about this passage is that He he's proving something here. This is one of the great passages, I think, that tell us that Jesus was so much more than just a good teacher. But it tells us more than he was just a prophet. It tells us that he is sovereign, that he has a plan and he knows what it is. It tells us that he's in control of it all as you read through the whole thing. If you go to Colossians, you don't necessarily have to turn there. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, it says, For the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, if that does not encourage you today, then you got bigger issues. This is incredible for us to realize and allow it to sink into our hearts. But it's telling us that he's so much more than just a great teacher and just a prophet. He knows what's going on and he wants us to be patient and await his redemption as it unfolds. He knows what's going on in the nearness of our life and what's happening here and he knows what's going to come in the future. This is frankly one of the difficulties with Luke 21 is discerning when each of these are happening. He's talking about some of the stuff that's near and that's coming, and then he's talking about some things that are really far and that are coming. It's really hard to delineate in chapter 21 what things go in which pile, which goes in the near pile, which goes in the far pile. I'm not sure, but he knows, and he knows the same for you. It's the exact same way in your life. In fact, you know what? Let Let me show you a picture. Can I show you a picture? I want you to take a look at this picture right here. Oh wait a minute! Uh, I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. That's really embarrassing. That's exactly that's actually the wrong picture. Uh, she wasn't supposed to show that one. This is a this is kind of what you call a Facebook uh, profile. Um, and you can easily recognize it because it has duck lips, and um, it's taken from above, and it's in the bathroom. And and really, if you're gonna have a good Facebook profile pic you want to make sure that you have those three things. <laughs> Duck lips, up above, and in the bathroom. I don't know why it's always in the bathroom, but those are apparently where the good ones are. So so uh, can we get that off there? Because it's super embarrassing. I was, I was practicing. All right, so let's get to the next picture. There we go. Uh, this is what you call a selfie, right? Uh, do you all know what a selfie is? This is what you call a selfie. This is... Uh, a picture that you take of yourself, call a selfie, for the purpose of putting it on social media usually. This happens to be me this morning. So um when I woke up and before I had done anything, I took a picture of myself. Now I want to ask you this question. Is that me? Okay, yes, it is. Okay, so so that yeah, that, that's me, but that's a picture. Of me. And I, I, think, I think that sometimes the enemy wants to try to get you stuck in some of the nears of your life so that you can't get through to some of the farther things in your life. And so he'll try to trap you with these photographs of who you were at one point. And his method is to try to get you to believe that that is who you are. And that's all you're ever going to be. Because, see, the truth is, that's not me. I'm right here. That's two dimensions. I have more. I got a lot more going on here, right? That's not me. But the enemy would love to be able to get you to believe that that's you. He'll take a photograph, click, and say, that's you. This is who you are. Remember when you did this? Remember this sin? Remember this thing that you were stuck in? Remember how you made this poor decision? That's it. That's who you are. That's all you'll ever be. You will never be anybody else. You can't get through that. You can't get further. You might as well just give up. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way it is. Look, everybody, that is not me. I'm standing right here. Then I was dirty and gross. But you know what I did? I took a shower, man. I took a shower. I got clean. I put on deodorant. I came to church. I showed up somebody different here today, right now, than I was then. And that's what Jesus is doing in you. If you let him, don't allow the enemy to get you stuck in some of the near things of life and say, this is it. Understand that Jesus has a plan for you. In that plan, it's going to require patience through difficult circumstances for you to get to the point that he wants you to be where you can be eventually fully redeemed. You've been redeemed from sin. His redemption is still working and he wants to use you To help to redeem others. That's not you. You're here. And you have many dimensions as well. So he's telling them, it's going to get rough, man. It's going to be tough. But you're going to be okay. Let's go back to uh, chapter 21, verse 12. Verse 12 says... But before all this, before everything that we've just read, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. You'll be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will, hear t- so, and so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and sisters, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. If we can, let's keep going for just a few more verses. In Verse 20. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword. They'll be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles will be, are fulfilled. Let's stop there. As, genius, as Jesus is continuing, it's really clear that uh, he's not going to be with them through what's coming. He won't be physically there with them. And they're still going to be known as his followers. And a lot of people aren't going to like them very much because of this. They're going to remember Jesus and these guys who were with Jesus. They're going to remember him and them as somebody trying to lead Israel astray. Somebody that would say crazy things like, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets somebody who claimed to be the son of God and would talk about revolutionary ideas like the coming of the kingdom of God and the overthrowing of current government. It was going to get so rough, it would even divide families. And in some cases, it would lead to death. And still, he didn't say he was going to get them out. He just wanted them to be patient. He wanted them to know that even though I won't be there physically with you, I will be with you. And what I love about this passage right here is that in verse thirteen, he makes this really incredible statement. and we read it as we read it as saying, uh, "And you will bear testimony to me in the new living translation." It says, and this will be your opportunity to witness. This will be your opportunity to tell about me when all these things are going on. What? What? Because a lot of times when those things go on, those are the moments where we just want to crawl in a hole somewhere. We just want to get away. I'm being persecuted. I don't feel right. Stuff in my family is not going right. Everything's not working out right. Things aren't happening the way that I think they should. And this is hard. I want out. Get me out. Where's the exit? I want to leave. But the thing that we've got to realize is that difficult circumstances are often our best opportunities for sharing about Jesus. That's not the way we tend to think. We tend to think, oh man, it's so hard. I just want to get out. When things get good again, when I'm okay again, when things go right and everything's back and everything's perfect and everyone's peachy and hunky-dory and other weird words, I don't really know what they mean, but I think they mean things are okay. When I get back to that, then I can go back to telling others about Jesus. No, that's not the right idea. Sure, it's always a good time, but it's when you're in the middle of the trial, when you're in the middle of the difficulty, when you're in the middle of the hard stuff of life, when you are able to take the best and brightest stand and say, God is at work in my life, and I'm okay. He's proved his faithfulness before, and he's going to prove it again. It's in those difficult moments when you have the best stuff to say. It's in the, those difficult moments when you have the most opportunity for people to really hear. It's one thing to say, "Ah, oh, man, life's incredible. You know why? It's because of Jesus. <laughs> That's a good thing to say. But how much better is it when your coworkers or your family hear you say, man, we're going through it. And you know that we're going through it. But my God is good and he is faithful and Jesus is my redeemer and he's taking care of me. There's something different about that. And so then he he goes on to, to say, but when you're in the midst of that persecution, he deals specifically with being persecuted. And frankly, we, 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 we know hardly anything about this. Most of us know hardly anything about this. We might experience a little bit of covert persecution here and there. People whisper things about us. Oh, there goes one of those Christians. Oh, don't have any lunch with them about it, or maybe there's a promotion that we don't get, or just things like that, we don't know much, we don't know overt persecution, we don't know about the people who are being martyred all over the world today, today, people losing their lives for the sake of Christ, we don't know a lot about that. But still, we are persecuted here. And it can be from family members, it can be from co workers. I mean, surely some of you have felt it. And he gives us an assurance when that's you, when you are being persecuted. For my sake, I want you to remember this that I'm going to give you words and wisdom. You're going to know what to say. Don't even think about it beforehand, don't worry about it beforehand. When the moment comes, I will be there. My spirit will be in you, and I will give you the words, and I will give you the wisdom, and I will help you to know what to say. So that those who are saying those things, those who are persecuting you, those who are driving against you, they will be confounded and not know what to say. There's lots of instances about this through Scripture after his resurrection, uh, you can read in Acts uh, chapter four or five, or, or lots of different places, where the disciples are standing before these important people, and they're being ridiculed and persecuted, and they're in danger, and they have the words to say. I was watching um, Bill Maher. I don't know if you, if any of you watch Bill Maher ever, but everyone know who Bill Maher is. He's one of those people that doesn't like. Christians very much? At all? And uh, he had this, this, I can't remember the guy's name, he had a well-known physicist on the show, and, and they were saying, they were talking about uh, creation, and they were talking about intelligent design, and they were talking about evolution, and going back and forth on it, and talking about some of the things that, that most of us believe about creation, of course, that God created it all. And and so so they're having all, all this battle back and forth, and this physicist, he was saying... He was saying about our college campuses, I don't know why we don't make more fun of these people. Why aren't we all, all of us who think this way, why don't we just publicly ridicule and humiliate them and cause them to feel shame and discouraged so they'll just sit down and shut up? And I thought, man, number one, that guy's a meanie. He needs Jesus. And then I thought, boy, What a a discouraging thing that is. And some of you who, who are at UT or different places and you're in the middle of your study, you know what this is like. You understand that kind of dynamic. Some of you in your workplace, you understand this kind of a dynamic. You know what it's like to feel that ridicule. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, hear the words of Jesus today saying, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, but this is your opportunity. Stand up, stand firm, lift up your head, be awake, look, because your Redeemer is here and He is coming, and I'm going to give you words and I'm going to give you wisdom. I will put them in your mouth. I will help you to know what to say. And this, of course, is our responsibility. This is why we're here. This is all part of the redemption. We can't look to get out over and over and over again because God's plan is not evacuation. It's redemption. And in order for that to happen, Close your eyes, would you please? Real quickly, I want to just ask this simple question. For some of you today, as I put up those selfie images... pretty sure that there are some of us today that feel like we are caught just like that and the enemy has tried to show you a picture of who you are or maybe it's not that maybe it's not that strong maybe it's just you you kind of say I'm just worthless I got nothing I I don't know what to do I don't know where to go I've made bad decisions I've made bad choices I don't feel like I can ever make it out of this. I just, I just, I wish I could just be evacuated. I wish I could just find the exit. I wish I could just be done. God doesn't want you done. He wants to use you. And, and, and I think even more than he wants to use you, he just wants to rescue you. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem your life. He wants to make things right in your life. He wants to save. He wants to restore you. This is why. This is why Jesus died. This is why we talked about communion him paying the price for you. Paying the debt that you owed that you can't pay. And He paid it for you. He took on death so you don't have to. Today, I, I'm pretty sure some of you just feel kind of stuck. Photograph has been taken and you don't think there's any future. That picture is not you. That picture is not there's more so if today you're looking to take those next steps and maybe you want to say you know what Brent I would love for you to pray for me and I'd love to take the next step and further my relationship or or maybe even Brent I'd like to give my life to Jesus for the first time if that's really true if what you say is true he loves me that much, if if he's working on my behalf, if he wants to redeem me, if, if this is really right, then I want to know him, I want to meet him, I want to serve him, I want to follow him, I want to give my life to him. Maybe for the first time, or the second, or third, or fourth, I want to commit, I want to say yes again. So everybody's eyes closed. If that's you in any way, would you just slip up a hand so we can pray with you? Just all over the room just lift up a hand and say yes I, you know what I would like to give my life to Jesus I want to say yes awesome who else awesome yeah right on anybody else who else you're not done this is only the beginning who else just lift up a hand anybody oh so For the rest of you, I I know that this is not a message that is kind of point one, two, three, and take those home and apply them, and um, everything will be okay this coming week. I'm not sure that works most times so cleanly, but this morning, I wonder if you would just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this brief instances that we have as we close this service, would you just let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and I trust that he will, to help you to understand, what are the areas of my life where I might need some more patience, going through the difficulties, and all I've been thinking is, God, can I just get out? And maybe you're not trying to get me out, maybe you're trying to bring redemption been open to the idea that you want to redeem my situation let alone use me to be able to do it or to use me in somebody else's so Heavenly Father would you speak to our hearts right now to help us to see clearly where we need to be patient and where you are at work redeeming us and now everybody would you just pray this prayer with me and especially those of you who raised your hands to say yes I want to give my life to Jesus we're going to pray this prayer there's nothing really great and special about this prayer it's just giving some language for you so everyone please pray this and and, and say it from your gut and say it loud and strong let's pray together Heavenly Father come on say it strong Heavenly Father thank you for Jesus Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for me today I choose to believe that you died and that you rose again today I choose to serve you today I choose to turn away from my old life and I choose to embrace your way of life forgive me for my sins and help me to follow you be my Lord and be my Savior jesus name now god i pray that you would seal that in those hearts and i pray also for all of us who are just looking for the ways that you're at work i pray that you would make that so clear to us and i pray that by the power of your holy spirit that you would help us to stay awake to look to be on the lookout to keep our heads lifted high to look forward to our Redeemer, to see you moving and at work so that we can be patient in the middle of our difficult circumstances and arrive where you are taking us. Thank you that you're doing that today. In Jesus' name.